I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. Welcome to 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. Um, we are podcasting this evening. It's Wednesday, August 30th. So we're in day four of Hurricane Harvey. Well, we're not in. Texas and Louisiana are in Hurricane Harvey. So um, we wanted to spend some time talking about what's going on in Texas and Louisiana and, you know, share our thoughts and well wishes for those who are going through that right now. And we also have some, some resources if you want to um, if you want to contribute and help out. We, we have some information for you as well. Um, so just to give everybody a little perspective, and if you haven't been reading about this um, obsessively, uh, Capital Weather Gang <clears throat> posted, let's see, yeah, today, um, that their official totals are in, and they estimate 24.5 trillion gallons of water has fallen on southeast Texas and southern Louisiana. Um, so... They, just to put that into a little bit of um, perspective for you, if you piled up 20 trillion, so rounding it down, gallons of water over the District of Columbia, which is 68 square miles, um, the height of the water would be 1,410 feet, which is almost as tall as the Empire State Building. That's how much water we're talking about. I don't know. For I, I, I never... I can never process how much it is. Yeah. And when they do something like that and you think about... That's like two times the height of the Washington Monument. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's still raining, isn't it? Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, still raining. And it's going to move up, I think, through like Kentucky and Tennessee after Louisiana. Yeah. So uh, National Now sent out an email with ways that we can help victims in Texas um, they wanted to highlight some organizations that are not so mainstream but have to do with um, supporting women and LGBTQIA individuals um, so there's the Houston area women's center which provides services to survivors of domestic violence and abuse sexual abuse um, there's the LGBTQ disaster relief fund and fun and um, donations to that go toward counseling, case management, and direct assistance for the LGBTQIA community. There's a Lilith Fund, and donations go toward providing financial assistance to those seeking abortion care in Texas. Um, abortion care in Texas is already severely restricted, and the disaster will create even more barriers to obtaining quality care for women who need it. There's the YWCA of Greater Houston. They provide emergency housing and other essential services to women, girls, and the elderly. And there's the Easter Seals of Greater Houston. And by donating to their disaster relief funds, uh, you help fund services for people with disabilities. So we'll post links to those on our website. Um, and then also Color Lines uh, published a list of ways to help um, underserviced communities or organizations focused on people of color. Um, I'm not going to read all of them. It's a long list, but we'll post the link. Um, just a few to highlight. Races, which is spelled R-A-I-C-E-S, is described as a Texas-based nonprofit legal advocacy group that works with Texas shelters to find housing for women and children who are stranded by um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, after being released from detention centers. Um, and they also have a link on this particular list that we'll post to send clothing, toys, and toiletries to the women and children. Um, and they have uh, mailboxes at a library in San Antonio where they're receiving that stuff. So the link is there um, for you to look at. Um, Living Hope Wheelchair Association uh, serves populations with spinal cord injuries and other disabilities. And the bulk of their members are immigrants or, and low-wage workers. Um, and so they, they've also been doing direct rescues, um, since the hurricane made landfall, which is, we know, really important. Um, and then Portlight, 
uh, assist people with disabilities who have medical needs or require shelter as a result of Hurricane Harvey. We know that um, people who have uh, physical disabilities may not have as easy a time um, evacuating ahead of a disaster and have a much harder time um, dealing with the disaster itself, especially when there's this kind of flooding. So that's a good one, Port Light. Um, and then the Texas Diaper Bank, which um, provides emergency diaper kits for babies and seniors and people with disabilities. So anybody who needs um, a diaper uh, gets it from them. And these, the, those aren't distributed by relief agencies. Diapers aren't. Um, so that's, I mean, I guess if you're in a shelter, you can have access to them, but they don't distribute them as part of the kits that they give out to people um, when disasters happen. And Texas Diaper Bank does do that. So that's a totally separate thing where if you're giving to somebody already, um, but want to help in that way, then Texas Diaper Bank is a great thing to donate to because even if they're getting resources from someone else they, and they need diapers, they might not be getting diapers as part of that package. And um, if you want my opinion on who not to donate to, it would be Joel Osteen and the Lakewood Church. <laughs> Besides not donating to Joel Osteen, I just want to, um, we forgot to add to our list that you can donate to Support the Girls, which yes. is our favorite local um, group that distributes bras, tampons, and um, maxi pads to women um, who are homeless in populations in our area, around the country, and, and some international spots too. Um, they've been sending tons of stuff um, to partners in the Houston area to make sure that uh, women and girls have everything they need to um, take care of their hygiene during the hurricane. Yes, and we'll be collecting items for support the girls at our next chapter meeting like we do at all of our chapter meetings. Our next chapter meetings on Wednesday, September 13th at the Rockville Library, 730. And yeah, anyone is welcome to come. Make sure to bring items to donate to them. You can donate uh, before then, certainly directly to them, um, money or uh, products. But we'll, if you donate on the day of our meeting, we'll bring it for you. Yes. <laughs> we will do that. Okay. So uh, I picked a topic this week. Actually, a topic picked me this week. Um. <laughs> I have a very, very good lifelong friend um, with whom I talk all the time, and he is a big sports fan, as am I. And this conversation actually started um, maybe a week ago. Um, he was asking me if he should root for a sports team. Um, like when it's not his team, he tries to pick, he has random parameters for how he picks who he's going to root for, who he's going to root for in a game where it's, um, where it's two teams 
and neither one of them is his, is his team for whom he normally roots. And I'm, he's listening to this now and being like, it's not random. I have a reason, so sorry. <laughs> um, so he was asking me about rooting for someone and rooting for a team that included a guy who had been accused of uh, rape in college and um, was acquitted of those charges. They were unable to prove that it had happened. Um, and the team picked him up. And he said, do you think, in your feminist opinion, do you think I should root for this guy and his team? And I said, well, I mean, I, I don't know the, the details of what happened. If, if he wasn't, you know, if he was not convicted of the rape, then what's the question about? And he kind of went more into, he knew the story, right? So he went into it more and he was like, well, it's pretty obvious that at the very least, the woman went to his room of her own volition, but she was fall down drunk when you read, when you've read about the details of it. And um, even though they were not able to prove that it was rape, um, she maintained that it was uh, even, even after. And that at the very least, like I said, she was fall down drunk. And I said, well, then you shouldn't root for that team. Yeah. <laughs> if this is what we're doing, then you shouldn't root for that team. And he said, okay, why? And I said, well, because, like, explain your logic. Like, how do I, like, what do I do when I yeah. don't know? And I said, well, I believe the woman. Yeah. And that's just my general feeling about it. And he said, yeah, but there's presumption of innocence. And, you know, and I said, yeah, but it's not, and he was just trying to discuss it with me. And I, I said, it's not a court of law. It's public opinion, right? I'm not in the jury for that guy listening to the statements. I maybe have access to the th to things the jury doesn't have access to by hearing these stories and all the hearsay and everything that they might not be able to hear. So I like we know more details. We know she was super drunk. We know that um, even if she went to his room willingly, she didn't remember anything that happened. Um, so we we have we have all that information. Yeah, well, and he was saying, you know, that his instinct is to believe the woman every time because he just feels like it happens all the time, and that's that's his instinct. Um, but he was, I guess he was kind of asking me from a more philosophical standpoint, at what point do we say, like, once a guy is convicted, or I mean, sorry, once accused, a guy is yeah. accused, you know what what happens to him and then beyond that so then so then we discussed that and then beyond that a couple days after this discussion Floyd Mayweather was was fighting McGregor and we're both big boxing fans so neither of us was really wanting to watch that fight it's not a good boxing match in case anybody's wondering um but besides that Floyd Mayweather has a history of domestic violence it's well documented um and a lot of people who I think of as people who, in general, vote and think and speak out against domestic violence were really into this fight. It, it, was, like, it was like the rules didn't apply. Their normal rules of morality did not apply to this fight. It's a reality TV show about a racist versus a homophobe. Like, I don't want to watch that either. Exactly. <laughs> yes. um, um, can yeah. I just interject for one second? Yeah. And say that Jenny Rose is calling us from the road. <laughs> so, if it sounds funny, we apologize. Um, but we wanted to have her here because we like her here. Yeah, we so. like her here. Yeah. She's better here. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. Just wanted to explain. Um, this will not be a weekly occurrence. <laughs> yeah. 
So since I knew we were going to talk about this, I um, did some research on athletes and domestic violence and rape. There's an article on Broadly, which is a division of Vice, called There Are 44 NFL Players Who Have Been Accused of Sexual or Physical Assault. Current NFL players, yes. not just ever, right. right? This is right now, yeah. Current, yeah. Um, and they call it their rapey roster. Oh, God. Um, but they have... I'm not going to read to you the the things of every single good dude on here, but they it's a good. We'll post the link to it. It's a good um, thing to have a look at because it's it gives you the guy and then the guy's picture, the guy's name, what he's accused of, and then a read more button so you can read more about what's what's going on in his story. Um, and then I also found um, an article uh, from the MLB about Derek Norris, um, who's a guy who plays for Tampa Bay. He's been accused of um, domestic violence. Uh, she, he's accused by his fiance and or I guess ex-fiance, and she actually um, insinuates that besides the physical violence that he kind of showered her with money but then controlled her with, with the money that, um, that he gave her and, and this allowance that he gave her to spend and and that he was kind of a controlling shithead in addition to being an, an abusive guy abusive shithead an abusive shithead <laughs> yeah um and then and i want to have a broader conversation but just to give you all the links that are going to be up there to talk about um derek rose um was on trial for rape uh last year um, and when he was on trial, this he's a basketball player. He's right? a yes, yeah, sorry, Derek Rose is a basketball player for NBA, NBA basketball player. Um, and he was basically accused of um, gang raping a woman. He and two other guys. Um, the woman wouldn't give her name. She wanted to be known as Jane Doe. His lawyer pressured her into saying her name. Said they couldn't do a trial if they didn't know her name. Yeah, he was acquitted. Um, but the interesting part about the story, without without debating what he did or didn't do, the interesting part about the story to me was that um, he testified at his rape trial that the NBA does trainings for their new players about like your new lifestyle and how to deal with the money you're going to be making and how to deal with the people who are going to want to be your friend, all the social piece that goes along with becoming a famous NBA player. Um, and one of the things they tell them in this training is to take used condoms home if you can't find a way to flush them. Because that's, because that, like, and so I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who would do something wrong and terrible to somebody if, if they had access to their con I'm not saying those people don't exist of course they do men women I mean they exist um but just I guess just as an illustration that this is um part of the culture do they know um, that you can rape someone with a condom though yeah no they don't want they don't want the person to be able to do anything with the sperm after you leave yeah oh yeah like Yeah, well, he, I mean... They're telling them to use a condom, and then I don't know why they need to take it a step further and be like, make sure you take the used one with you. Don't know what that girl's going to do. Like, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They're, I mean, I, I'm not saying mo most women, not most women, but they are very, very rich guys. Like, I, I think they're yeah. trying to... And some of them, frankly, not super intelligent. They're very good at basketball. Some of them are very smart, but some of them not. Um, yeah. But this actually came back to bite him because um, the uh, the opposing lawyer used it in the trial saying that he was trying to destroy evidence. 
by taking the condom with him. So that's actually why he ended up saying, telling that the that the NBA tells him to do that. Um. Anyway, so that that was just a point about culture, NBA culture, and and all that stuff. Um. So and the and the reason I bring that up is because I was trying to figure out why people are willing to let things go when the person is an athlete, a famous athlete. And I know it goes for celebrity, celebrities in general, um, why people are willing to let it go. So, like, that to me was one reason. Like, people think that women are up to gold no good. diggers and they're up to no good, and the NBA just reinforces that, right, with the, with the condom thing. Um, that was one of my ideas. The, the other one was, is it because we kind of love them in the same way, maybe not as intensely, but in a way of like a family member. Like I think about, you know, you, you root for a team. There's one player who's been on the team forever. Like you think about Yankees fans and Derek Jeter. You know what I mean? Like they, they feel a personal connection to him, even though they've never met him. I think that happens in sports. Um, also, Alex Rodriguez. That's the, I mean, Alex Rodriguez, like, Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter hasn't, hasn't had scandals other than he's a ladies man. No, I don't mean like, that, no, I don't mean that he did but, anything bad. I'm just no, saying. No, but I'm just saying, like, that's, there's that example, but there's also the Alex Rodriguez example of the Yankees where he was caught taking performance-enhancing drugs, and they will swear up and down that, no, it's okay, it's not a problem. Like, I think that goes towards the family member. Like, we're supporting them. Like, they can't do any wrong thing. Like, in the face of scandal. That's where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I think, I think we want to defend people we care about. We want to defend the team we care about. People care so intensely about sports teams. I think we, and I mean, I'm speaking as someone who named a child after a, after a, <laughs> after a sports idol. Um, I think we care so intensely about it that it's hard for us to have our heroes in a way. Maybe that sounds too corny, but like bashed and 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 taken down from the pedestal. Um, here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Yeah. Because if you look, uh, look at it in totality. So let's look at. I'm gonna name three men. So you have Michael Vick, who abused animals, went to jail. Jesus, don't worry, he's fine now. to anything else like women rallied behind rallied around when the Stanford swimmer was accused well I mean I know there were witnesses but when the Stanford swimmer went on trial and then he got his 
tiny itty bitty little sentence and yeah. is going to go live a perfectly normal life and I'm sure guilt free and I'm sure do it again um, since there are clearly no repercussions when he does it the yeah. first thing um, but people really rallied around that and, and I kind of wonder like if he had been a star football player would they have been as quick to take the woman's side as they were with him well, I think they like were... Like the public, not not the judge, obviously, or, you know, but well, the public. that was, like, one of the rare cases where there were actual witnesses who could yeah. back her story up. But well, also... Like, Ray Rice was on video punching his... That's, <laughs> that's true. Rob Turner, Turner and his victim were white. Yeah. That's the other thing you're leaving out. That is yeah, true. true. A, lot of, a lot of... And it's not all of them, because I, I looked at that list, and Ben Roethlisberger is a really good example of a white guy who's been yeah. Yeah. But, but the the difference between Brock Turner and and that woman um, was, and I don't think we know her name, which is why I'm not using it. But th- th- he's a white guy and she's a white girl. I think there's a big difference right there because yeah. Ray Rice and his fiance are African American. Yeah. And from my perspective, that shouldn't freaking matter. But yeah. I'm not the rest of this country. Yeah. yeah. But also, you were saying before we started recording that people, like, weren't there. I mean, they were questioning, like, what she said or did to him to make him do that. So, like, there there weren't any, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, obviously. But there weren't any witnesses to, like, what led to it. So, I, well, why I think that. People are racist, yes. Yeah. Um, the fact that someone, two people walked into that specific situation is why they care. Because mm-hmm. there have been lots of cases, like the Steubenville rape case where the football players at the high school. Yeah. Like, I'm, well, again, also, I think those were people of color. Yeah. Um, but... I well, I was gonna say when you have professional athletes who constantly get away with it, or at least are still beloved by their fans, that's not setting a good example for all the high school and college boys all over the country who are playing sports. Do you think it's so like this? I guess this is like my my when I was thinking about the motivation behind people's defense of this and like what they do and whatever. I guess I was kind of wondering too, like. Do we not believe, do people not believe it or do they, or are they okay with it? Like if you're, if you're a person who's not okay with domestic violence in any form, you speak out about, even if you don't, but let's just say you're like the ultimate, like you speak out about it, you do all this stuff and then you watch the Floyd Mayweather fight, right? Are you saying, is, are you watching this thinking in your head? It must pass through your brain if you're, if you're constantly if you're constantly speaking out about domestic violence, right, it must pass through your brain. Like, are you thinking, I don't believe that, that that's what really happened or it's complicated or it's a he said, she said situation? Or are you saying, yeah, I know that happened. Everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. This guy is a great boxer and I, I'm just going to watch this fight anyway. I think it's both. I think it's, oh, sorry, go ahead, Alyssa. I was going to say I think it's both. Because there are people who have, who I think they're like, I know what happened, but I enjoy the entertainment and I'm still invested in the team or the sport or the athlete or whatever. And I like to watch them. But then also, um, I think there are people who just don't want to believe that somebody they enjoy watching or they like, admire, whatever, would do something like that. So I was... It reminds me when Johnny Depp yeah. was accused of yeah. assaulting his wife. And the reaction from people, like, online was just like, he would never do that. He would never do that. They think they know him. Yeah. They think they yeah. know him. It's like, you don't know what he does. Yeah. And yeah. they just don't want to believe that he would do that. They don't want to believe that Bill Cosby would do that. They don't want to believe that Woody Allen would do that. And they're, oh, I like his movies. Yeah. He can't possibly be a bad guy. Yeah. Or if he is, I don't care because his movies are funny. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if you go back to, like, the 
like I think it's I think it's both those I think it's both those reasons. Like people people just don't believe it or they try to get over it. You know, they're like, eh, whatever. I'm enjoying this. But then I also think when it comes to the domestic violence aspect, there are people who will place blame on the woman. Like, yeah, yeah what did yeah. she do? Like, did he have a bad day? Like, he's a boxer. Like, what is it? Like, I think there's a big chunk of people who who will say that it's partially the woman's fault because she provoked. She provoked it. And I'm yeah. not one of those people. Um, there's never a reason to punch a woman in the face or assault a woman in any way unless, you know, your life is in danger and there's a weapon involved. Like, that's, you know, there's a right. exception to everything. But, like, I think there's a, a large group of people who don't believe that the woman is the victim and that they play some part in it. Yeah. yeah, and I and well, and I also kind of like I wonder if the word like claim and accuse they just have a connotation that sounds like like when I say you claimed something to be true, it already sounds like I don't believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. just that, just the yeah. language we use around it, it it like already makes it seem like it's it's probably not true i don't know just something about it um well also like when they report on it like i realize they have to do it so they don't get sued or whatever but i feel like i never read like somebody allegedly robbed somebody at gunpoint like i feel like they report on it like this happened but then whenever it's like oh so and so allegedly rape this person or allegedly yeah. beat this person up like that is that. automatically creating doubt right the second somebody reads the story right because it is worse because it's worse to be accused of rape but you can say you, like you i mean socially accused of rape instead of accused of allegedly raping someone that right yeah the that's of right the allegedly. right like, the keyword it's, it's a it's redundant. A double positive that you don't need. Yeah. Accused of rape. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I guess I I have two questions about this. One is, what is the responsibility of the NFL, the MLB, the NBA? Uh-huh. What's what's their? I mean, obviously they're not going to lose fans because of, enough fans because of this to make a difference. But like when you think about a guy who already thinks it's okay to rape someone abuse someone um e- either either rape them like and be physically violent get the person so drunk that she can't move to consent and and rape her that way like once you give that guy millions of dollars and a lot of power and fame we're pretty sure that problem's not going to go away right i mean like that it's not anyway but especially when you add those factors in it's going to like act like an accelerant to, to whatever yeah. God complex that guy has going on that he thinks he can do and whatever he wants. NFL, and with the NFL, they have clauses in their contract. Like, that was the thing with Ray Rice. There was a, there's clauses in their contract that say, like, if you do something that reflects badly on the NFL, blah, 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 we can suspend you, we can do that. And the whole controversy, like, part of the controversy on that was that the NFL had the tape and didn't do anything. Right. Well, I I actually, Jenny Rose, since you say that, I have the um, NFL's conduct, personal conduct policy in front of me. I was like, it's not morality, it's something else. Yeah. But, like, they need to enforce it. And, unfortunately, I feel like the only way they're going to enforce it is if you hit them in the pocketbook. Like, what, there's a, um, there's a blackout NFL campaign going on right now for Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Where I think it's being led by um, Mr. Men of, Men of Faith, like that, that sort of thing, where they're not buying any gear, they're not watching games, they're not doing this until they sign, somebody signs Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I'm on board. I think what they're doing to him is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I think the same thing needs to happen. For these people who, for, for the domestic and sexual assault. Right, well, and so, 
No, I was just going to say that the personal conduct policy to which you just referred says, um, in part, it is not simply, or sorry, it is not enough simply to avoid being found guilty of a crime. We are all held to a higher standard and must conduct ourselves in a way that is responsible, promotes the values of the NFL, and is lawful. Um, so that's part of the reason Broadly wrote this, like did this piece, was to say, wait a minute, these guys were all accused, they weren't convicted, but certainly... They weren't found guilty, but certainly something happened in each of these cases, and they're not holding themselves up to any standard that's described in your personal conduct policy. I just, so like, I just get, again, the NFL is like a huge money-making machine, and they try to do things to placate women, like the whole, whatever the pink month is, October, I think, like, oh, we're gonna, like, it's, first of all, ladies, not a lot of that money is going where you think it's going, so yeah. look at that. Yeah. And he's a Washington Redskins fan, so that's a whole other bag of issues with that. But <laughs> it's a whole other discussion. Um, yeah. But I think that's where we have to hold them accountable. Yeah. So, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mentioned before we started recording that I used to love football. I used to watch every single week. And... My the quarterback of my favorite team was accused of raping multiple women, and I stopped watching because I couldn't support him. I just lost all interest. I haven't watched football in like ten years. Um. So Ezekiel Elliott um is a player for the Cowboys, and he is on a suspension um under this personal conduct policy uh, because he uh assault well allegedly allegedly assaulted um tiffany thompson her name is the woman uh five times in one week uh last year in july um he's been appealing and appealing and appealing and it's possible that he will um end up to to he'll end up starting in week one the the lawyer who wrote this article in for forbes is not um not optimistic that he'll end up in it not or i guess it's not optimism not doesn't think there's a it that it's likely that he'll end up playing week one but there's still the possibility um so even though there's evidence against him it's pretty clear that it happened um and and the nfl has suspended him um the, the old policy, this the they've just changed, and the old policy um, didn't mention a suspension length. Um, so that's how he has the wiggle room to, to have the suspension reduced, possibly. But it's not like, I mean, it's like, they, it's like they're saying, we know this happened, so here's a slap on the wrist, but you can still play in the NFL. Yeah. Like, is that, does, week does one. that even yeah. matter? Even if it's not week one, even yeah. if it's like an entire first half of the season. Does it even matter? Like, yeah, that sucks, I guess, that you're that guy and all you want to do is play. It just and, like, shows whatever, people but... you can do something bad yeah. and that you'll get in trouble temporarily and then go right back to where you were. Yeah, it's just a way, it's just kind of a way for the NFL to look good, right? They want to look like they're being, they, they want to appease those fans who want to keep rooting for the guy who beats up his girlfriend, right? Yeah. So they say, well, don't worry, we're tough on this. He's going to be suspended for six games. And fans are like, well, that's fair. We're not even sure he did it. And then they move on that way. Yeah. But also, I think I read something like the NFL players get longer suspensions for, like, marijuana usage than domestic violence. 
Is that true? How many games did Tom Brady get for deflating his damn ball? Uh, Tom Brady should get a lot of games suspended forever because he's a douche. And I used to, but, and I, and I used to like, love him. I feel like he got more in a suspension for longer than Ray Rice did. Yeah. Well, I mean, look how I mean Ray Lewis got to like retire as a bazillionaire. I mean, I it's ludicrous. He has a statue in front of the damn stadium for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, EB two's googling. I'm googling the I'm googling the NFL marijuana policy. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friend who brought this topic up is definitely laughing at this point and making some mean comments about me under his breath as I Google this. So that's a shout out to him. Um. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read this and get back to you. Um, my, uh, well, actually, while you answer this other question, my other question was if these guys who are, who come from, if, if come from different, all different backgrounds, but if one of them, any one of them, black or white, but specifically a poor black guy was um, accused of any of the same things that these guys were but he did not have the potential to make millions of dollars for a team owner and for the NFL would anybody who's a football fan give two shits about him or defend him or any of that no he should have pulled himself up by his bootstraps yeah. and went out and got a job when he was 10 years old of yeah. course they wouldn't care right of course not I mean, it's Yeah, they can, yeah. Well, they're getting their brains damaged to no end for your entertainment, right, too. Right. Yeah. So this is this is an article in Forbes. It's called "Recent Suspension Shows Just How Out of Touch the NFL's Marijuana Policy Is." It's from 2015, though. Um, so they had their a different personal code of of uh, conduct. Um, but they actually do use Ray Rice as an example. Um, so they have. Prior to the video of um, him attacking his fiance in the elevator, um, yeah, uh, and and remember that the NFL had done nothing to him, and then the public became aware of the video, and then the NFL suspended him. Like half-assed. Yeah, I mean, it there wasn't, was yeah. yeah, it wasn't, it was because people found out about it, not because it happened. Um, yes, and the commissioner made a big show of saying, oh, no, I didn't know about this, I didn't know about this, and then there was that report that came out, so he knew about it. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, he definitely knew. Um, but then a, a, a little less than a year later, um, there's there was a player who allegedly smoked marijuana and was um, sitting out had to sit out four games. That was mandated by the NFL. Um, the the guy was Sheldon Richardson, New York Jets defensive lineman. Um, so he he uh, he tested positive for marijuana. I guess drug testing tested positive for marijuana um, and that was all the proof they needed to spend him for four games. So yeah, that, that's definitely a, a discrepancy, a, decre- a discrepancy in the policy there. Um, okay, well, thank you for talking to me about that. I, uh, <laughs> I, No, I'm no, I'm I mean I'm angry too and I think that the answer is that um when it's a professional athlete 
while we do have to, if we were sitting in a courtroom, not hearing hearsay, not reading any of these extra articles, not hearing any opinions or anything about it, not hearing any background from former classmates or former dorm mates or former girlfriends or whatever information that we have as the public that, that a um, jury may not have uh, or a judge may not have. Um, I, I think while we're sitting where we're sitting that we believe the women and um, if it turns out that we're wrong, then I don't know. We apologize to ourselves because obviously the NFL guy is never going to hear us apologize. <laughs> but but generally, we we believe the woman, and um, and we and we we do get all that extra information. We are not the people in the courtroom just hearing how much he's going to make and how much she could profit off of what he's making. Um, and we're not in the courtroom hearing it's he said she said. We're here. We get to hear everything. And we're allowed to have our own opinions and supporting someone um, who's being elevated to power and, and wealth, despite the fact that he's been accused of these horrible things, is not a feminist thing to do. Yep. Um, Agreed. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, so... We wanted to talk about equal pay a little bit. Shift gears. Sure. The Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, um, was tasked uh, with keeping track of um, pay data collection uh, by Obama. It started under Obama. Um, and Trump is halting that. Um, it it gives it gives the office of management and budget a chance um, for transparency to 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 have transparency um, when it comes to salary and and pay and looking at discrepancies between men's salary and women's salaries amongst other things. Um, so this halt and rollback would um, endanger. Uh, women's equal pay and and the monitoring of um, equal pay and I think Ivanka Jenny Rose you said Ivanka commented on it Ivanka signed off on it like oh, she, Ivanka, yeah. apparently they had consulted what I had read earlier um, is Ivanka had I guess reviewed the policy and it's important to note that the policy did not yet go into effect um, it was scheduled to go into effect very soon um and she commented on the policy i don't know if she reviewed it with her father or whatever uh, but she had said that uh, basically <clears throat> the measures that they have in place aren't going to give them the outcome that they want um you know to equalize the gender pay gap and mind you she only mentioned gender this this guidance or this this uh, rule that Obama put forth wasn't just for gender. It's supposed to be for gender, race, and I believe uh, maybe not sexual orientation, but um, but it was it, w it was supposed to be race and gender at the least. And she only mentions gender. Of course, why would she? She's a white woman, a very privileged white woman. So why would she notice anything else? But yeah, Ivanka apparently was uh, was a big part of this. Yeah. Um, so there's an article in the Huffington Post about it, um, and Fatima Gosgraves, who's the president and CEO of the National Women's Law Center, um, says it's not a tech quote. This is not a technical tweak, as they would have you believe. Make no mistake, it's an all-out attack on equal pay. Today's action sends a clear message to employers. If you want to ignore pay inequities and sweep them under the rug, this administration has your back. So is, Ava is Ivanka stupid or a traitor? Or both? Um, I'm going to go with mostly, well, I'm going to go mostly with traitor. <laughs> mostly, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I have a hard time calling her or many other women Low on the IQ scale. I don't know, but I think <laughs> she I, she may very well be. I don't know. Um, I know, like I know the 
too, and I know she, she probably got really bought into them, but still. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I, yeah, but I think part of it is she doesn't know. Like, she's ignorant. She has. She is the epitome of white woman privilege, to some degree white man privilege, because she's so high up, I'm sure she has that too. But I think she just doesn't, doesn't understand, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't occur to her that this is an issue. But like I mean, if you've ever, sorry, I was just gonna say she she has all that at her disposal. You're, I think you're right. I just think she has it all at her disposal, including the OMB, and she could just ask someone to fucking tell her that women make eighty cents on every dollar, and that Hispanic women make fifty four cents on every dollar, and black women make sixty three cents on every dollar that a white man makes. Yeah, and also, I mean, she could also um, just Google. You know, yeah. Right, and she's a she's a I'm gonna say business owner. You know, she has a company, and she has, I think she said that at her company, there's spare pay and there's flexible work hours, and that's great if you work at her company, so I don't think it occurs to her that other places aren't like that, and it's the same thing when it comes to her maternity policy, like she's talked about, I've done a lot of hate reading on reviews of her book, um, where she basically talks about how you know, she'll walk around, um, you know, she goes right back to work after she has the baby. Like, she's back at work three days later because she has a full-time nanny. Yeah. And she makes sure she walks around to her staff and tells them at 5 o'clock, I'm going home. Like, you know, feel free to do the same. And then she's like, but, you know, I'm online at 11 o'clock at night. So I don't think she understands what's normal or, you know, what the everyday working woman the challenges that they face and that's not even talking about the challenges lower income women face yeah. there's no concept and we can call her ignorant because I don't think she educates herself on it Fine. I'll call her um, ignorant and a traitor an ignorant traitor yeah. agreed yeah um in other news of the, the women of Trump world, we want to uh, shout out to Melania, who may say, may say things and do things that we don't like, but doesn't deserve to be criticized for her footwear. We can wear whatever shoes we want, goddammit. Wear whatever shoes we want, and there are plenty of things to criticize. Let's keep it to those things instead of wardrobe things. Right. Like, we were we were saying before when people criticize Michelle Obama about what she wore, and for God's sake, when they criticize Hillary Clinton about what she wore, we have a problem with it. So yeah. how about we not do that, Melania? Right. When I first saw that picture, like I laughed and I rolled my eyes, like oh, she's wearing stiletto. Okay. Right. That's right. Whatever. Like maybe she I thought she would step. Above the water. Maybe. Maybe she thought her feet would get dry. Yeah. And maybe that's what she's comfortable in. And maybe she was walking to the plane in stilettos. And then she knew she had her sneakers in the plane because she walked off the plane with sneakers. So, like, let's just cut, like, yeah. commenting on what people are wearing. Yeah, it's not a news story for sure. And women deserve to be judged on what they say and what they do, and just like men do. Yeah, let's remember Melania for being the one who supported uh, her disgusting husband's birtherism. Yeah, yeah. She's done plenty of disgusting stuff. Stilettos are not not the thing. Um, Okay, woman of the week. Ready to go? You want to do chapter Speaking news of Texas? First? Oh, you want to do chapter news first? Sure. I don't care. Okay. Uh, so we have some upcoming events. Um, September 13th is our chapter meeting, like we said before, Rockville Library, 7.30. Um, September 20th is our happy hour. It's at Harp and Fiddle, um, 7.30. And if you come to that one... 10% of the proceeds from the night go to our chapter, so... Yes. come to Harp and Fiddle. Come to Harp and Fiddle. That's going to be a fun one. Um, 
And then October 1st, um, we don't have all the details yet um, to share with you, but we are going to um, have a panel discussion and Q&A, um, Racial Justice Now, um, and we're going to have several of those. We talked about them last week throughout the year. This is going to be our first one. Um, it's going to be at the Executive Office Building in Rockville, which is on Monroe Street, um, 4.30 to 7. And we'll have some great speakers and a great discussion and um, some time for Q&A. So we'll have more details yeah. about that very soon. Stay tuned on our Facebook page and website, and we'll post a link where you can get tickets to that. Um, and since I remember, <laughs> uh, you can find us on our website at MCMD now, MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, now for National Organization for Women, mcmdnow.org, um, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mcmdnow. Um, if you want to join our chapter, which please do, we know we've uh, got a, a few, a good number of new members in the last couple months, um, so please join our growing chapter. Uh, we are one of the largest chapters in the country, for those who don't know. Um, so please join, mcmdnow.org slash join. Um, and we'd love to have you at our upcoming events. Okay, so our woman of the week is Texan, Janice Joplin. Uh, we're doing Texas theme this week uh, to show support for the hurricane victims. Janice was born in Port Arthur, Texas, which is one of the cities on the Gulf Coast that uh, is hurting right now because of Hurricane Harvey. Janice was, along with Grace Slick of the Jefferson Airplane, uh, one of the big female faces of the 60s music scene, um, particularly the San Francisco hippie music scene. Uh, she sang songs like Peace of My Heart, Ball and Chain, me and Bobby McGee and Mercedes-Benz. Um, hopefully, you people have heard of those songs. I know, I know EB2 and Jenny Rose have, uh, but you all listening, please tell me you do. You do know them. <laughs> so when Janice was growing up, uh, she was very artsy in school. She did a lot of painting and drawing and also started singing and performing uh, folk and blues music. Um, her big musical influences were Bessie Smith, Aretha Franklin, Odetta, Billie Holiday, and Otis Redding. Um, she's known now for being kind of a wild partier, um, but that's not really the full scope of who she was deep down. She, when she was younger, didn't really have uh, a happy high school and, and college experience. Um, she was made fun of a lot, and you can tell in interviews with her she wasn't really happy growing up. Um, she appeared on the Dick Cavett show a bunch of times, um, and you can you can see her interviews on YouTube. And one of, in one of them, she's talking about how she is about to go off to her ten-year high school reunion, and the whole point of why she's going is because she didn't really have any friends in school and they all didn't treat her nice at all and she says they ran her out of the school and, and the state basically um, so she was going back to kind of stick it to them that she was famous now she started performing folk and blues around Texas when she was 17 um, kind of as an escape from her life uh, she wanted to, to focus on music and, and not um, what got her down uh, in 1966, she moved to San Francisco to take the lead singer gig with Big Brother and the Holding Company. She performed at two of the 60's biggest and most iconic music festivals when she and Big Brother and the Holding Company uh, took the stage at Monterey Pop. She was basically not known at all outside the San Francisco music scene, um, but when she walked off the stage, she was essentially an international star, superstar. Uh, in a Monterey Pop film, you can see Mama Cass Elliot of the Mamas and the Papas, who was a powerhouse 
singer herself uh, watching Janice perform and she's just in complete awe which I think is really cool to see because you don't really get to A, see the moment somebody became a star um, that often and you don't really get to see when their contemporaries like are blown away with what they've done um, so that's cool we'll, we'll post a video for that on the fa on our website when she performed at Woodstock uh, she gave what many including herself thought was a really lousy performance because of the massive traffic jam and the delays in the performers schedules and set times and the weather causing even further delays she went on stage much later than planned um, she was drinking and taking drugs to pass the time until she went on stage around 2 in the morning um, early that Sunday morning uh, she hated her performance so much that she refused to sign the release paperwork to allow it to be included in the original Woodstock movie and soundtrack um, they eventually included it in later releases of both the film and the soundtrack um, she had a great time at Woodstock though she was one of the few performers and attendees who stayed to the end to watch Jimi Hendrix close out the festival. In addition to uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, she performed with two other bands, Full Tilt Boogie and the Cosmic Blues Band. Her last album, Pearl, was released posthumously and included, it was her biggest selling album and included uh, a couple of the hits I mentioned before. Uh, a couple years ago, a documentary called Little Girl Blue was released. Uh, Janice was a really big letter writer, and the documentary takes her actual words from letters she wrote to tell her story. Uh, it's really good. I recommend seeing it. Um, and uh, Janice died of a heroin overdose on October 4th, 1970, at age 27. Um, so, if that had not happened, who knows how, how much of a continued impact on the music scene and the music industry she would have had. I'm very distracted right now because EB2 is doing literal yoga poses as I'm talking. Um, so, I'm really sad that this doesn't happen when I'm there, by the way. Yeah. Jenny Rose keeps us in order. Her back hurts, so she's on my floor. Um, she said my carpet smells good, which... I guess that's better than it smelling bad. I don't know why it smells good, but I can continue doing a play-by-play -play of her yoga session if she would like me to. Um, but I w we should have played Janice for you to move along to. We should have. Like another little piece of my heart would have been good for a downward dog. Yeah, piece of my heart. Yeah. Yes, she did, and she certainly should not have. I, I give no, no, no uh, commentary on the quality of it, as I have my particulars with one of my favorite songs being covered, Landslide, stop covering it, but yeah. Um, uh, don't even. If anyone ha turns on our podcast just for the last five minutes of every episode, like, you might think it's 1975. <laughs> Very strong opinions about people covering Janis Joplin. My mom has those about the Beatles. She yeah. thinks nobody should sing Beatles songs except the Beatles. Not a single person can sound as good as Janis singing Janis. No. No. So just stop trying. Pink, stop trying. Oh, but Pink's VMA speech was so good. I also have opinions about Pink. But did you hear her VMA speech? I did. It was good. Her daughter's really cute, and it was a really good speech, I thought. Okay, fine. <laughs> but stop trying to cover no, Janice. I agree. Like Janice she just popped her head up from the floor to tell me that. <laughs> what? 
she's still on the floor doing yoga. She just popped her head up and looked around the table and told me that. No. That's also how I feel about Stevie Nicks, too. So, so please, but just stop with that. The Dixie Chicks did do a good cover of Landslide. No, no, agree to disagree on that, my friend. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I, took a, I took a listen and I just broke up. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't going to go for me anyway because I'm doing yoga for her. You're not even here. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah. My carpet smells good. It smells really good. Does I don't think I've ever smelled it. Does not smell like feet. Uh, as it shouldn't. Anything else for this week? I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, rate us our stars. Bye. 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 <laughs>